1: God's judgment was coming upon the Jews and Paul's frustration was because he sensed it. He knew it was coming. He knew God's wrath would come upon them. That should tell us something, Christian, because we who are Christian know that one day the Lord will pour out his wrath upon the face of the earth. There will be mass destruction, mass slaughter, and death will occur. Those who have rejected Jesus Christ will be caught in the midst of this destruction. They will be left behind to face God's wrath.
0: As believers, as much hope as you have for your own eternal future, you also should be aware of the hopeless future that awaits those who reject Christ. As Pastor Dave will challenge us in today's message, don't sit idly by while the lost around you careen down a path that will end in eternal separation from God. Now here's Pastor Dave in the book of Acts chapter 28 as he continues his message, The Hope of Israel, The Hope of the World. You are a
1: What the leaders say next is pretty interesting if you look at it. Look at verse 21 and 22. Then they said to him, we neither receive letters from Judea concerning you, nor have any of the brethren who came reported of anything spoken evil of you. But we desire from you what you think concerning this sect, which we know that is spoken against everywhere. (laughs) They claim to know nothing about Paul. But yet we read last week that when Paul was 45 miles away from the city, all the brethren started coming out to meet him. And then when he was another 20-some-odd miles, more people came out to meet him. So there's something going on here. It's really interesting that these people went out to meet him. In his commentary, Art Kent Hughes said this about this very statement. He said, this is undoubtedly an untrue statement. Christianity had been known among the Jewish community for many years, and there had been such division over it that the emperor Claudius banished all Jews from the city of Rome. The truth is, the Jews wanted as little to do with Paul and Christianity as possible, and they wanted Caesar to take care of it. Their true feelings came, though, when they called Christianity a sect. And if you look up the Greek word for sect, it's where we get our word heresy there became the true meaning of their words. We want to hear about this heresy. Now, whether it's untrue or not, beside the point because Paul gets exactly what he wants. Paul gets exactly what he desires, an audience with them. He gets a chance once more to give his apologia, his defense. He gets one more time to prove to these Roman Jews that Jesus is the hope of Israel, and this must have excited him to no end. As we discussed before, Paul loved the Jews. He loved his countrymen. He was willing to give up his salvation so the countrymen, the Jews would come in. It was dear to his heart. So they gather at Paul's place for a quick one-on-one. <laughs> the Bible study lasted all day. It became an all-day Bible study. Look, look, verses 23 and 24. So when they had pointed him a day, many came to him at his lodging to whom he explained and solemnly testified of the kingdom of God persuading them of the concerning Jesus from both the law of the pro- Moses and the prophets from morning till evening. Morning till evening. Paul testified of the kingdom of God. He showed them Jesus from the law of the Moses and the prophets. This is exactly what the Lord told Paul he would do in Acts 23.11. You will testify of me. And Paul is doing the very same thing. I can't wait to hear the CD from that Bible study. I can't wait to hear what Paul had to say to these guys. Look at the words Luke uses. It's really cool when he describes this meeting. He said, Paul solemnly testified. Now, in some translations, it says he expounded. Paul declared to the Jews exactly who Jesus was, and he used the scriptures to prove it. And he took them to all the prophecies, all 300 and some odd prophecies about the Messiah, and he proved through the scriptures that Jesus Christ was the Messiah. Luke says he persuaded them concerning Jesus. In other words, he argued with them, and he challenged them. He said, hey, look for yourselves. You know the Scriptures. You're the leaders of Israel. You're the ones who read the Scriptures every day. You look at the Scriptures, and who do they talk about to you? Who do the Scriptures say he is? Very similar to what the Ethiopian guy said. Who is he talking about? Paul declared to them that Jesus is the hope of Israel, that Jesus is the Messiah, And he used the scriptures to prove it. And remember, the only scriptures he had were the Old Testament. The only scriptures he had were the Old Testament. So this all-day event, can you imagine? They came and they were there all day. What a study. Some were persuaded and some disbelieved. Isn't this always the way when you give the gospel? Always the way. And it's always going to happen when you declare the gospel to somebody. Somebody are going to believe. Some are not going to believe. Some won't be persuaded. Some will have a quickening of their hearts by the Holy Spirit and they'll be persuaded concerning Jesus. But sadly, some will not believe, regardless of what they hear, regardless of the passion of the message and how it's presented, regardless of the logic that you use, and regardless of the urging, even from the Holy Spirit, some people won't be budged from the position of non-belief. In fact, someone once said, the same fire that melts wax hardens clay. Did this stop Paul? Paul? don't know Paul very well. Paul had a willingness to fight. Paul knew the vision that the Lord had placed upon his heart. He knew his calling, and the spirit within him made him indomitable. That simply means he was unconquerable. He was emboldened, and it was impossible to be defeated. Why? Because Paul personally knew of whom he was testifying, and Paul knew that the hope dwelt within him. Paul was determined to make his case. He was determined to make his case. Have you ever seen anybody determined? I mean, have you ever seen anybody so determined to do something? Just watch the Olympic Games. They had that snowboarder who two weeks before in the X Games fell on one of the pipes and cracked his ribs. But yet he's out there determined to come down that mountain and try to get a medal in the Olympics. And they had an interview with him. He said, well, I'm kind of okay, but every time I came down from the jump and hit the landing, oh, I was in a lot of pain. He could see the pain in his eyes. And who for- could forget the little girl about this high, the gymnast, years ago at the Summer Olympics, remember the gymnast? She did a vault and came down and broke her ankle? But they needed her. They needed her to win the gold medal. And her coach talked to her and she got up there and she ran down there all her might and did the flip and landed and you could see the pain in her thing and they won the gold medal. That's determination. That's determination. Now imagine, imagine you take that determination and you add to it the power of the Holy Spirit. Wow. Ain't nothing gonna stop There's nothing gonna stop you then. Nothing at all. That's what Paul did. That's what Paul Did He had that determination. He had the power of the Holy Spirit. But God's plan won't be thwarted. God's plan will not be thwarted. The Lord wishes for none to perish. He wishes that all would come to repentance. And because of the unbelief in their hardened hearts, the hope of Israel now becomes the hope of the world. The hope of Israel goes from Israel now to the world because Paul says, I'm going to the Gentiles. And guess what? They will hear it. I didn't mean to do that. It was always God's plan to redeem the Gentiles. It was always God's plan to redeem the Gentiles. The Jews were supposed to be a light to the Gentiles. They were supposed to lead them to God, but they failed. It was God's plan all world. Now God wants us to be a light to the world. He wants us to be a light to bring people in. He doesn't want us to fail. He's given the power of the Holy Spirit for us to be able to do these things. Let's read 25 through 29. So when they did not agree among themselves, they departed after Paul had said one word, the Holy Spirit spoke rightly through Isaiah the prophet to our fathers saying, Go to this people and say, Hearing you will hear and shall not understand. Seeing you will see and not perceive. For the hearts of this people have grown dull. Their ears are hard of hearing and their eyes have, they have closed. Lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears. Lest they should understand with their hearts and turn so that I should heal them. Therefore let it be known to you that the salvation of God has been sent to the Gentiles And they will hear it. And when he had said these words, the Jews departed and had a great dispute among themselves. What a sad, sad day for Israel. What a sad, sad day for the Roman Jews. They left. They had a great dispute among themselves. They had a great argument. Paul quotes Isaiah 6, verses 9 and 10. Paul understood that Isaiah prophesied about the hardness of the heart that people might have. But this also shows God's true heart. It shows that what could happen when someone believes God and believes his holy word, their ears are open, their hearts are lifted up, and they come back to God. This shows that the word of God can accomplish when we receive it with open eyes, when we receive it with open ears, when we receive it with an open heart. The word of God brings understanding to our heart. It makes us return to God, and it brings healing to our lives. If you are under the word of God and these things aren't happening to you, if your eyes aren't open, if your ears aren't open, if your heart can't receive, pray to God. Pray him and ask him to open your eyes. Ask him to work in your heart. Ask him to help you to receive these things that he wants you to receive. Paul must have been elated at those who had accepted God's word. We never ever are disappointed with salvation, even if it's just one. Paul must have been elated. But It was greatly grieved. It was greatly grieved by those who rejected Jesus. Essentially, Paul, by quoting Isaiah, was saying this. If you reject Jesus, you can hear, but you'll never understand. You can see, but you'll never perceive. Your heart is and will be hard. Your ears will be closed and your eyes will be shut because you really don't want to turn to God and you really don't want to be healed from your sin. This is the same message that's available today. It's the same message that goes forth today. It's just as true today as when Isaiah quoted it. It's just as true today as when Paul quoted Isaiah. Paul will plead with men to receive Jesus. We will plead with men to receive Jesus. Paul doesn't ache for himself. He aches for those who will reject Jesus. And he solemnly warns them that there are consequences to those who reject See, the preacher basically has two messages that he has to give. To those who respond to the gospel of faith, he's a messenger of life. But to those who reject Jesus, the preacher adds to their condemnation. Paul said in 2 Corinthians 2, verse 16, To one we are the aroma of death to death, and to the other we are the aroma of life to life. I have to ask you today, does your heart ache for the unsaved? Does your heart ache and groan for those in your family those in your lives, your workplace, those that you know, your neighbors, wherever they may be. Do you ache because they're unsaved? Is there an ache in your heart? After Paul said these words, the Jews left. Many believe that this was probably around 59 to 60 AD when this happened. Many believe that Paul was beheaded or executed somewhere around 62 to 65 A.D., within that range. Very, very interesting thing happened some five to eight years later. Anybody know what it is? Jerusalem was destroyed. Judea was in ruins. Many believe it's because they rejected God. Many believe it because they returned from the living God. God's judgment was coming upon the Jews and Paul's frustration was because he sensed it. He knew it was coming. He knew God's wrath would come upon them. That should tell us something, Christian, because we who are Christian know that one day the Lord will pour out his wrath upon the face of the earth. There will be mass destruction, mass slaughter, and death will occur. Those who have rejected Jesus Christ will be caught in the midst of this destruction. They will be left behind to face God's wrath. And it's been written about all through scripture. All through scripture we see signs of this. And we as Christians need to sense that. That the time is growing ever, ever closer for this to happen. And there should be a sense of urgency in our life to go out and tell people about Jesus Christ. To tell them that Jesus Christ died for their sin. To tell them that they can have eternal life, oneness with God through Jesus Christ by accepting his sacrifice. There should be a sense of urgency in our heart. The Apostles John said in John 3, 36, He who believes in the Son has everlasting life, and he who does not believe in the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abides on him. In Romans 1, 18, we read, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. Again, in Romans 2, 5, But in accordance with the hardness of your heart and your impenitent heart, You are treasuring up for yourself wrath in the day of wrath and revelation of the righteous judgment of God. Paul makes these warnings. Paul makes these warnings. And finally, we read in Revelation 6, verse 17, it says, for the day, great day of his wrath has come. Who is able to stand? Like Paul in his day, those of us who are born again into a living hope must have a sense of his coming wrath must have a sense, and we must warn others who have rejected Jesus Christ. This message today is for those that we can take for those who have rejected Christ. It says, don't make your hearts dull. Don't make your ears heavy. Don't keep your eyes shut to the truth. Look to the Lord and see. Look to the Lord and live, for he's calling you today. The author of the book of Hebrews wrote this beautiful passage in Hebrews 3. In Hebrews 3, verses 14 through 19, he says, For we have become partakers of Christ if we hold to the beginning of our confidence steadfast to the end. While it is said, today if you will hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion. For who, having heard, rebelled? Indeed, was it not all who came out of Egypt led by Moses? Now with whom was he angry forty years? Was it not with those who sinned, whose corpses fell in the wilderness? To whom did he swear that they would not enter his rest, but to those who did not obey? So we see that they could not enter in because of unbelief. Unbelief, rejection of his love. Rejection of his love. We carry with us the message of life. We carry in our hearts the Lord Jesus by the power of the Holy Spirit. We have that message. In verses 30 and 31 we read, Then Paul dwelt two whole years in his own rented house and received all who came to him, preaching the kingdom of God and teaching the things which concern the Lord Jesus Christ with all confidence, no one forbidding him. Paul is a prisoner now for another two years living in his rented house with his guards. Many believe he's still chained to them. Hence his statement because of the hope of Israel and bound with these chains. Paul spoke a lot about change in his letters to the churches. Many of those letters that he wrote to the churches were written as a prisoner in Rome. Book of Colossians, Philemon, Ephesians, Philippians. They were all written while he was a prisoner here in Rome. John Stott calls these letters the most Christological of all Paul's writings. These letters that he wrote from his heart. And he even wrote Second Timothy from prison right before he was executed right before he died. It was like his final words. Paul writes something very interesting to the Philippians, though. He speaks about the advancement of the gospel because of his imprisonment, the advancement of the gospel because of his chains. In Philippians 1, verses 12 through 14, listen to what he says. Now, I want you to know, brethren, that the things which happened to me have actually turned out for the furtherance of the gospel. So this has become evident to the whole in the palace guard and all the rest that my chains are in Christ and most of the brethren in the Lord, having become confident by my chains, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. He says we should be confident in Paul's chains. We should be encouraged by what happened to the apostle and know that no matter what's happening to us, whatever chains are on us today, We can still witness the Lord Jesus Christ in our lives by letting that hope that dwells in us come forth and letting people see that hope that is in us so that we can tell them about God's love. It's simple. What man planned for evil, God turned to good. This beautiful book ends as Paul receives anyone who comes to him. He continues to preach the gospel The kingdom of God, he preaches the kingdom of God despite his change, despite the circumstances, not really knowing when he will be charged, when he will face Caesar, or when or if he will be executed. Paul continues to shine the hope that is in him for all to see. You know, we said Paul was a consummate of many, many things, but here he's a consummate teacher. He teaches all things concerning Jesus Christ, and he teaches with confidence. Nobody stops him. God did great things through Paul in Rome. Even in these difficult times, and when you read the letters, and at the end he said, those of the palace guard greet you, this one greets you, that one greets you. They're talking about Roman soldiers, and many believe these are the ones who were chained with Paul for all those times. Many believe that when Jesus brought Paul to Rome, he completed the mission that he told the disciples back in Acts 1, verse 8, that you would be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the outermost parts of the world. Because what started in Jerusalem went all the way to the capital of the Western world. All the way to the capital of the world, Rome. Paul went to Rome. Nothing stops the gospel. Nothing stops the gospel. Even Paul's change. As I said, shortly before Paul was executed, while in Rome, a prisoner, he wrote this to Timothy, his beloved son. And he says this, In 2 Timothy 2, verses 8 and 9. Remember that Jesus Christ, the seed of David, was raised from the dead according to my gospel, for which I suffer trouble as an evildoer, even to the point of chains, but the word of God is not chained. Did you hear that? The word of God is not chained. Paul said, For preaching the resurrection, I suffer trouble. I've been put in bounds. I've been put in bonds. I've been put put in chains. Paul was willing to be bound and chained. He was willing to be stoned. He was willing to be beaten. He was willing to be shipwrecked, whatever it took for the sake of those who would believe. And Paul's faith and his hope became contagious. But many tried to extinguish that light. Paul continued steadfastly proclaiming the gospel in the name of the Lord Jesus. Paul allowed nothing to limit his teaching and his preaching. He would talk about the gospel wherever he went, to whomever would listen The question today is, what are we willing to go through in our lives that other people might know Christ? What are we willing to have happen in our own lives so that other people would see Christ in us, the hope of glory, and want that and be born again? What are our limitations? Do we place limitations on ourselves? Maybe you might have physical limitations of some sort. Should that stop you? I'm thinking of Johnny Eric Ansada. Quadriplegic from a very, very early age. Fought with the Lord for a long, long time, but then all of a sudden, the Lord got a hold of her. And now she's been a blessing and an encouragement to so many people. Her limitations didn't stop her. Why should our limitations stop us? We need to take our limitations, we need to place them before our God so that he can do his greatest work through us. Don't let your limitations hold you back. The hope that lies within us, the hope of spending eternity with God, the hope of having forgiveness of our sin, this is the hope that Jesus brings. Jesus is the hope of Israel, but they missed it. Jesus is the hope of the world. That hope now is in you, and it could be in you. Don't let others miss it. Don't let others miss that hope. You are sure hope.
0: Our time with you is running short for today's edition of A Sure Hope. Pastor Dave will continue this journey through the book of Acts when you join us next time. But for now, you can listen to this teaching and others from this series online at assurehoperadio.com. We'd encourage you to download these messages so they are available wherever you are. We know how busy life can get, but there's always a time to pause, even if only for a few minutes. Those short breaks could be filled with the study of God's Word and the uncovering of treasures from its verses. You can also subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, gaining access to the latest messages as soon as they're posted. Find out more at assurehoperadio.com. If you're looking for a church family and happen to be in the Cape May area, we'd love to have you come join us for a time of worship and Bible study. Calvary Chapel Cape May meets weekly on Sundays at 10 a.m. And we offer nursery and Sunday school where your children will be well cared for as they learn about the love of Jesus. Give us a call for more information. Our number is 609-884-5821. Again, that's 609-884-5821. Thanks for listening to today's message from the book of Acts. We pray you continue to be blessed as you study the word and that you'll discover Jesus working in your life. Pastor Dave will be back soon for another in-depth look at this New Testament book right here on Assure Hope.